Welcome to Drones Over Canada. I'm your host, Dave. Today is episode 11. It's also the last RPAS knowledge requirement topic, radio telephony. Now, it's a kind of a neat topic because a lot of you maybe never envisioned you need to learn about this. However, Transport Canada would like you to know some stuff. This is all based on a free study guide you can find online called the RIC-21, Study Guide for the Restricted Operator Certificate with Aeronautical Qualification. Now, what I'm going to go ahead for you guys and do is I'm going to post this up on our Facebook group, Drones Over Canada. It doesn't really make a lot of sense for me to read through this all for you. But everything you need to know is on here. Instead, today, we're going to talk about the real-life applications of having an aeronautical radio and using it during our pass operations. We'll be right back, and we'll get into it. Drone Air is an aerial services company based just outside of Barrie, Ontario. One of their focuses is on drone education. And they're actually on the certified drone flight school list that Transport Canada publishes. Because of COVID, they're offering an online guided self-study program. They will give you the resources that you need to make sure that not only do you pass the written and pass the flight review, but you actually understand these topics. And with the understanding will come a confidence that will move you forward, whether you're flying drones for fun or you're flying commercially. Check them out at www.droneairtoday.com. All right, guys. So one of the questions I get a lot of the time from students is, do I need to buy a VHF radio? My answer is absolutely not. Practically speaking, very few operators should have one. For one, it makes your operation a lot more sort of clunky because you're dragging around a VHF radio. In some ways, it's also like a firearm. If you don't know how to use it, it might do more harm than good. So for your average operator who's just doing this for fun, or even somebody who's doing it professionally but stays away from aerodromes and air traffic, you definitely do not need a VHF radio. And in fact, I would actually strongly say don't get one. However, certain operators will find them useful, especially if you're constantly operating in areas with manned piloted traffic. Some examples of this stuff would be, one, if you're operating near an uncontrolled airport that's fairly busy. A lot of the time, uncontrolled airports are located where there's not a lot of air traffic. But some days, especially nice Saturdays, there tends to be a pickup of traffic. And having a VHF radio where you can monitor frequencies used by that traffic can help you build a good air picture and understand where the airplanes are coming from. One cautionary note, however, is just because you have a radio doesn't mean you're going to be able to hear anything because most uncontrolled airports don't actually need radios. So you will have aircraft fly in that don't have radios on board. Furthermore, a lot of the pilots that operate into these areas are not as familiar with uncontrolled airport procedures as maybe they should be. 
there tends to be a lot of no local knowledge and sometimes they're not even monitoring or speaking on the right frequencies. So it's important that even if you have your radio and you're listening to your radio, you still maintain that watch because an aircraft can literally come out of nowhere with no warning. Now, if you are using a VHF radio for your operation, what frequency should you tune it to? Well, that depends on exactly where you are and what you're doing. If you're operating near an aerodrome, I would suggest you monitor whatever frequency is listed in the Canada Flight Supplement for that aerodrome. Normally, it will be something like 123.2, which is an air, to air traffic frequency. If there's no frequency listed, or you're in an area away from an aerodrome, but you do want to listen and monitor for traffic, try 126.7. That's an air-to-air -air frequency, and it's sort of the backup frequency that pilots will use in uncontrolled airspace to broadcast their intentions to everybody else. Other areas, such as practice areas or training areas for manned aviation, may have a designated frequency. If you're operating in those areas, that's probably the best frequency. And you can find that by having a look at your VFR charts and referencing the Canada Flight Supplement for the airport nearby. Now there's also the emergency frequency, which is 121.5. And I'm often asked if you should monitor that. Again, it kind of depends. If you have nothing else to monitor, you definitely could monitor it. But the chances are that you're gonna hear something related to your operation on it are pretty slim. Now, one of the other questions I'm asked is when would you transmit on a VHF radio? I'll tell you right now, hardly ever. The only time I can think, practically speaking, that you would wanna make a transmission is in the event of an emergency where you have no other means of communication. Now, let me walk you through a typical RPAS operation in controlled airspace. The first thing you're gonna do, of course, is request permission from NAV Canada by filling out the form online. When they email you the approval back, they're also gonna include some direction for you. Oftentimes, they'll include a phone number where you can reach a NAV Canada controller. And they might even ask you to call before you launch and call after you launch. If for some reason you had an emergency, they would be a very good for first point of contact to call. The next aspect I'm gonna to touch on is ground crew communication. Now, as we've learned, there is times where you may have additional crew members on your team. And this could be something like visual observers. It could also be a client liaison that you have, or maybe even an instructor if you're teaching a new crew member. There's a different, couple different ways you can communicate. But one of them are ground crew member radios, similar to a walkie-talkie. Now, it's very important that if you are using one of these systems, that everyone is understood how to use it. And there's very clear rules about what you'll say in certain circumstances. One of the most important times you may wanna to speak to your crew members if there's a conflict with the aircraft. And maybe the person who's actually manually controlling the aircraft can't see it now. So you're speaking to your visual observer. I recommend that you have very concise language. For example, conflict 
If you say conflict, that means there's a conflict, and I will then give you a direction. Now, if you have this little teamwork skill set up and you do some practicing beforehand, it can work out really well. For example, conflict, conflict, climb, climb, climb would mean there's a conflict with another air, aircraft, so climb, climb, climb. You want to be as simple and clear and concise as possible because there's no room for ambiguity. Another thing we have to remember is radio range. Now these vary in different strengths. Some may be able to work around a building, others may not be. So again, I always recommend you test out your equipment in a safe manner before you're actually using it in real life. The last thing I'm gonna to touch on that we've sort of already started down is standard operating procedures. Just like we have SOPs for operating the aircraft, we need SOPs for how we're gonna to talk to each other and resolve conflicts. I really recommend that you write these things down very clearly and have each crew member ensure that they understand what's expected from them. Now, whether you're using a ground to ground radio or a ground to air radio, we do have what's called radio etiquette. Now, first of all, when you're using letters, make sure you're using the phonetic alphabet. This is the Alpha Bravo Charlie that we often hear. All those words are in that RIC 21 study guide, so you can learn them. It's important you use them because otherwise A kind of sounds like E, kind of sounds like D, and it would be very easy to mix up what you're saying. When we use the letter, the number five, we pronounce it like a fife again to make it sound different than other numbers. And because nine and five sound very similar, we pronounce nine as niner. Again, you'll find that all in the study guide. Also, if you're listening to a new frequency and you're about to make a broadcast, doesn't matter what kind of radio you're using, just give it a second and make sure you're not interrupting somebody. If two people transmit at the same time, they'll sort of cancel each other out and you won't hear either transmission. So good radio etiquette says that you give it a few second pause to ensure that you're not interrupting. All right, guys, this episode completes the RPAS topics. We've now covered absolutely all of them, but I'll caution you that there's a lot more for you to learn. And I simply cannot tell you everything you need to know on a podcast. So what I recommend you do is check out a drone flight school, drone air, is Canada's premier drone school. Their instructors are almost exclusively airline pilots. They'll be able to give you the background and the knowledge to make you extremely confident in your operation. So as I've said, check them out at www.droneairtoday.com. The other thing you need to do is check out the Facebook page and the YouTube channel Drones Over Canada if you haven't done so already. There's tons of free stuff on there. These resources will really help you on your RPAS journey, whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're brand new to it. Now, what I'm gonna ask is for your help because you guys have been absolutely amazing listeners. So one of our upcoming episodes is gonna be called Ask Dave. And just like it sounds, you guys get to ask me whatever you want. So if you have some questions, 
about aviation, about RPAS operations, about owning an RPAS business, about living outside of Barrie, or about anything else that you're curious. You can either record your voice, any audio file will work, and I'll actually play that on the air before I answer your questions. Or you can take a video of yourself, and I'll take the audio from that, and maybe we'll do a little bit of a YouTube video up as well. Or if you're not feeling any of that, just send me an email or a Facebook message or put a comment underneath on the, your favorite podcast platform, and I'll get to it. Like I said, it can be absolutely anything, so don't be shy. I just want to take a moment to say thanks to everybody. We have over 60 listeners to each podcast. We've had almost 1,000 total listens to the podcast since its inception. It's been a really fun journey. I know I've learned a lot speaking to all of you, and I hope you've learned a little bit as well. So keep listening, tell your friends, like us on Facebook, join our Facebook group, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.